All right, all right. Hello, High Desert Word Center. How is everybody on a beautiful Wednesday evening? It is great to see everybody. Uh, so we'll go over a few announcements here. We've obviously got plenty of stuff going on uh, with summer right around the corner. This weekend is Memorial Day weekend, and so it's kind of the unofficial start of summer for a lot of people, and uh, definitely some good things going on around here. Um, Mom and dad are still out of town, so you won't see them still for another little bit. They're in Indiana having a great time with the family over there. But Katie is back, so that helps my life out and uh, should help all of our lives out a bunch, all right? So praise God. Let's go ahead. We're going to speak some words of faith over the United States together. Can we stand up together tonight? Amen. Because we are seeing America come to Jesus. Amen. We refuse to just let things go the wrong way. So we speak words of faith and we will see a turnaround in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, Justice and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, hallelujah. You may be seated tonight. Very good. So a couple of quick updates here. Uh, just a reminder, I'll probably take a few services to remind us of this, but um, we're no longer requiring masks inside the building. Um, the, the governor's lifting the mask mandate in a few weeks anyway on, on their own. So we're not requiring it. Now, if you feel more comfortable, by all means, that's fine. We, we won't make fun. We won't say anything about that. Or if you've got health stuff going on, uh, you know, that's fine. You do what you got to do, but it's not a requirement at this point, okay? So that's totally your call and your decision. You just respect your conscience there, amen? Um, let's see here. want to remind you that, of course, Children's Church is open every Sunday morning, and Jam Jr. is on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings both. Parents, Kids Club Camp is July 11th and 12th. Say that with me. Excuse me. June 11th and 12th. June 11th and 12th. I'm getting the, the uh, teenagers, the youth group camp mixed up. So Kids Club Camp is June 11th through 12th. It's for first through fifth grade only. $20 a kid. And the registration deadline to get a t-shirt and everything is actually today. So actually I, I rushed on there and I got my kids registered, but the registration uh, for getting a t-shirt and everything is today, and that website is hdwc.org slash kkcamp, and you can get the kids registered on there, uh, and we want to get a head count of that, so it's going to be awesome out in Newberry at the ranch, we, you know, we got a lake and all that fun stuff, so the kids are going to have a blast. Now, the youth group trip, uh, if you've got teenagers and youth, um, is going to be looking like mid-July. And we're planning on taking them to St. George, Utah for a few days and renting a big old place. It's going to be awesome. Um, so if you want to start sowing seed into that and giving, you know, offering, if that's on your heart to help them out, you can mark your envelopes youth uh, when you're giving. That's not your regular tithe, but that would be an offering. Uh, you can mark it for youth, and we'll make sure it gets there. But on top of that, we are going to be having a good old-fashioned High Desert Word Center 
cake and dessert auction. Amen. <laughs> Those are always just the best thing. So that is going to be on Sunday, June 13th, right after the morning service. And so probably starting this Sunday, we'll have a sign-up sheet. We need people from church to donate to make a dessert, a cake or a pie or whatever, cupcakes, doesn't matter, a dessert. And then we will auction them off after the service. This is always the best fundraiser for the youth group. And we want as many kids to go as we possibly can. We've got a very large count so far, very large group that we're wanting to send. So we want them all to be able to go. Amen. Who thinks they all need to go, right? Come on. We want to get them there. Amen. And um, ladies, the... Uh, Katie's uh, small group Bible study will be picking back up this Tuesday at our house at 6 o'clock. So if you're a lady, you're invited to that. 6 o'clock on Tuesdays at our house. The ladies are having a great time with that. And I want to remind you that there will be Sunday night service this Sunday, even though it's Memorial Day weekend. We, you know, we've had to miss a lot of them. The 4th of July is on a Sunday this year also. So we don't want them to have to miss any more Sunday nights. So Sunday night service this week. And Chuck's going to be finishing up where he, picking up where he left off last Sunday night, amen, so praise God, be here to hear the word of God on that, all right, who's ready for the summer to get here, yeah, all right, hey, very good, <laughs> well, it's a coming, isn't it, so we are ready, and it's going to be a blessed summer, amen, who knows what time it is now, yes, it is happy time, well, what's that, it is when we get a chance to give to the Lord. Uh, the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. If you need an envelope, raise your hand. The ushers will hook you up with one. We're going to look at Psalm 16 tonight. Psalm 16. Who's excited about the word? Hey, you better be, because we're going to be bringing it, whether ready or not, it's coming. Psalm 16, verses 2 through 4. I'll be in the NLT here. Psalm 16, verses 2 through 4. And I love, there's a couple verses here I want to share. Uh, some stuff that King David said. Psalm 16, verse 2. I said to the Lord, you are my master. Every good thing I have comes from you. I mean, you got to be able to say that to God. First of all, you're my master. You need to make that decision right away. But then I love what David said here. Every good thing I have comes from you. Now, David, is a, he's a man that has a lot of stuff. Let's be honest. He's a king. He's won a lot of victories. He's won a lot of awards and accolades and has a lot of money. And he says, no, no, no. Every good thing I have comes from you. Have you come to that point in your life yet where you could say, I'm, I've got to say every good thing I have came from God. This isn't because I'm so strong and I'm so smart and I'm so awesome. You need to reach that point. I'm being serious where you know Everything, every good thing I have has come from the Lord. Verse 3, the godly people in the land are my true heroes. I take pleasure in them. I love godly people. I don't love the, you know, other weirdos. <laughs> but he says, the godly people are my true heroes. I take pleasure in them. But look at verse 4. Troubles multiply for those who chase after other gods. Troubles multiply for those who chase after other gods. I will not take part in their sacrifices of blood or even speak the names of their gods. Now, in verse, four, in verse 4 right there, obviously the gods that David's referring to would be idols and false gods and all this type of stuff. But when he says, troubles multiply for those who chase after other gods, I can't help but think of people that make money their god. 
because there, are, there is a certain sect of society that they wouldn't tell you that, but they make money their God. It, 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 it tells them what to do, what they want to do. They, they chase after it with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, chasing after money. And it tells us right here that troubles will multiply when you chase after the wrong God. And everybody has a God. Someone's like, I'm an atheist. No, 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 no. Everybody's got a God. Everybody's got something that they believe in and that they chase after. And unfortunately for some people, it's the wrong thing. And I'm telling you, troubles not only add up, but they multiply. They pile up on top of each other when you chase after the wrong gods. And money, chasing after that, is chasing after the wrong God. And it will multiply trouble in your life. So... I'm telling you now, if you're a Christian, you've got to get to this place where you say, I want to honor God with everything I have so much. I even want to honor him with my money. And when you get to that spot, I'm telling you, listen, God can start working in your life. He will start doing things. And just like David said, you're my master. Every good thing I have comes from you. And when that's your heart, it's no, not a hard thing to give God back to something that he gave you in the first place, right? Imagine somebody shares their Del Taco french fries with you. They say, hey, you can have these. They're like, hey, can I have a couple of them? Why would you say no? They gave them to you in the first place, right? And so when God says, hey, can I... I think my battery is going dead, so we'll replace that. Let's say the financial faith confession here, and we will get into some praise and worship. Let's say this. As we bring the Lord's tithe. We believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income. Rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings that increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs. So I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's sing together. The King of all creation set aside his crown. A servant to the Father's love descended from his throne above. An author of salvation, giver of new life. Crucified to pay for sin. Our righteousness is in the name of Jesus. And every heart and tongue confess your name above all names. All things of this earth belong to you forever. You God of resurrection. 
protection, a conqueror of death, a ruler over everything, the Lord of lords and King of kings is Jesus. Every heart and tongue confess your name above all names. Jesus, I can't get enough, and I can't walk away, no, I can't walk away, for I have seen your face. No, 
Let's raise our hands tonight. Lord, we love you, and we can say that there is nothing like your love, Lord. There's nothing like being in your presence, God. We thank you that in your presence is fullness of joy, and we thank you, Lord, that we get to be in your presence. You allow us to come into your presence and to even be around you, God. We thank you for that, and we know that as we are in your presence, as we are surrounded by you, God, everything else, it falls away. Everything else just seems so small when we hold it up in comparison to you. And so, God, we magnify you. We lift you up tonight, God. We focus on you, and we thank you, Lord, that you are in this place, and you're going to speak to us and say what you need to say and do what you need to do. We love you so much, Father. Thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord some praise tonight. Amen. Amen. Who believes God is good? Amen. All right. Well, you can be seated tonight. We're going to get into the Word here. Uh, you know, Wednesdays, we don't have a whole lot of time, so we want to get right to it and, and speak into your life. And so the title tonight is this, Don't Be an Easy Target. Don't be an easy target. Because who knows that there is an enemy and, and he's real. Uh, you know, uh, the devil isn't pretend and made up. And, you know, I've, I've seen so many different surveys and polls taken from different organizations where a shockingly high percentage of the population does believe there's a God. You know, whether they're a Christian or not or whether they live for the Lord. But uh, something like up in the 80-something percentile of people believe that there is a God. And what's even more strange to me in, in, in these same surveys is like 40 or 50 percent of people or maybe even less believe that there's a devil. And I'm like, hey, we, yes, there's a God, and you got to know that there's also the other side of things, and there is a devil, and he's your enemy, and he would like to take you out. And sadly, there's a lot of people that just kind of make his job a whole lot easier. They make themselves what we would call an easy target. Now, I you know I've heard Dr. Barclay talk about his days in the Vietnam War, and, and he talked about how one of his purposes as a marine sniper was uh, they, they would, some of his guys, if there was a certain uh, person on the enemy side that they wanted to take out specifically, they would have a bunch of other guys come and create a big distraction and, and get this important person kind of left by himself, unsurrounded, and then like, boom, easy target, just pick him off, and there's, he's not around other people. And as a Christian, there are things that we can do to kind of make ourselves very vulnerable to attack. And, and we're like, well, how did, how did that happen? Where did that come from? Where was God? Like, God's where he's always been, brother. 
God's doing what he's always done. And sometimes when we run off doing our own thing, something happens. And then we're like, we're getting mad at God and blaming him and saying, where was he? He's where he's always been. Where were you? We were out there chasing the distraction. We were out there going after the bait from the enemy. And so I'm going to look, look at an opening verse here. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. Can we look at that real quick? Ephesians 6 and verse 12. And so my main point tonight is not to talk about the devil. Uh, you know, I've got better things to do than talk about the devil. But, you know, I do have to acknowledge that he's real and that I'm not afraid of him. Okay? I'm not afraid of the devil because I've been given authority over all the power of the enemy, according to Luke chapter 18. All right? Or excuse me, Luke 10 and verse 18. But what we're looking at right now is Ephesians 6 and verse 12. Ephesians 6 and verse 12. And it lists all the armor of God here. But look at this. Ephesians 6 verse 12. It says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And so what is all that talking about? That's what we call spiritual warfare. You ever heard of spiritual warfare? You know, there's, you know in this military world, there's different warfares. There's nuclear warfare. There's chemical warfare. There's, you know, uh, guerrilla warfare. And there's another type of warfare that maybe you don't know that much about, but it's called spiritual warfare, and that's what Ephesians 6 is talking about. It says we're not fighting against flesh and blood, all right? And so, so many people are like, man, I know what my problem is. It's her. I know what my problem is. It's this guy over here. No, that's a distraction. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. And then it goes on to list several different enemy forces there. And those are, if you were to study it out, different levels of demons, honestly. But that's not my point tonight. My thing that I'm trying to get you to understand right now is we are at war. Spiritual warfare is real. There is an enemy out there. And, you know, Peter said he goes around as a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And, and listen, hey, if he's looking for someone, I'm not going to make myself available to that. I'm going to stick within the walls of God's salvation. I'm going to stay under the shadow of the Almighty, all right? And so what we're going to do tonight is look at three different ways that you can help yourself to not be an easy target. Three easy ways to keep yourself safe and protected in these end times. Amen. Because who knows that we're in the end times. That's not made up. That's not pretend. That's not just something we talk about. That's for real. And we've proven that so many times out of the Bible. All right. So I'm going to pray and we're going to dig in to the word here tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, that we have a chance to study the Word of God tonight right here at High Desert Word Center, Barstow, California. We get a chance to open up God's holy written Word. And Lord, I pray that as we do that tonight, we have open hearts, open minds, and we are ready to receive what you're trying to tell us tonight. May your Word have free course in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, somebody said... Amen. All right. So three ways that you can make yourself not an easy target. You can keep yourself protected. Number one, stay in the word of God. Stay in the word 
of God. Now, this seems like a very basic, uh, very, uh, you know, that's not that deep of a statement to make. But truthfully, there's a lot of Christians. I know it's not you guys, but I've heard of them, okay? I've just, I've, I hear tale that there's Christians that don't actually read their Bibles that often. And then they wonder why they're not strong when attacks come. And they wonder why, you know, the devil shows up and, and, and they've, got, they've got no weapons in the chamber. They've got, they've, they don't have their weapon anywhere and their faith level is low. They're weak. You have got to stay in the word of God because if you don't, you're making yourself very vulnerable to attacks from the devil. The devil can come in and huff and puff and you'll run in fear. He'll come in and create a distraction over here, and you'll go chasing it. And next thing you know, boom, there you go. Easy target. So let's look at John chapter 15. John 15. Amen. Alex, I'm going to need you to whistle tonight, brother. Can you do that? <laughs> Alex has patented this whistle for the Bible verses over about the past seven or eight years. I mean, he's got it down. It's so good. So John 15, and we're going to look at verses 5 through 7, John chapter 15, and this is a great chapter. Jesus says, I am the vine, I am the true vine. This is the seventh of his great I am statements. But we're going to look here at John 15, and starting at verse 5. Now check this out. Jesus has some stuff to say uh, regarding you staying in the word of God and taking the word seriously. John 15, verse 5, he says, Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. How much can I do apart from Jesus? I can't do anything apart from Jesus. I've tried sometimes, sadly, and it's always ended in failure. He says, apart from me, you can't do anything at all. Is that because Jesus is arrogant and has an ego? No, that's because he's full of truth and he's shooting straight with you. You can't do anything worthwhile without Jesus. He says, you've got to remain in me. And so what's one way we remain in Jesus? Well, according to John chapter 1, verse 1, Jesus is the word. And so every time that I hang out with my Bible, I'm hanging out with Jesus. All right? And so if I'm going to remain in Jesus, I'm going to have to remain in the Word. Look at verse 6 right here. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. What? What in the world? This sounds hardcore. But look at verse 7. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want. And it will be granted. Who believes that God will supply your needs? Who also actually believes the Bible and believes that God will also supply your wants, as long as they're godly. Because some people are like, well, yeah, he'll supply your needs. He didn't say nothing about wants. Well, hold on. What did he say in John what did he say in John 15, verse 7? He said, you can ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. He also said in 1 John 5, that if we ask according to his will, he'll give us whatever we want. 
All right? And so, listen, God will give you your wants and your desires. Psalm 37, verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. He'll give you your wants and desires as long as they're godly. You can't go out and say, man, you know, I, God, what I really need is I need about, uh, you know, I need about 10, uh, 10 24-packs of Bud Light. That's what I want. Come on, somebody. No, he's not going to give you that. That's stupid. But if you say, God, what I want and what I need in my life, is, and, and it's a godly thing, he'll get it to you. He's got no problem with that. He'll give it to you. But what's the key? You remain in him. Because I know some people, believe it or not, Man, God don't ever give me nothing, man. I don't know what's going on here. It's like these guys over here, they ask and they get. I don't ever get anything. Question number one, are you remaining in him? Or are you remaining in the are you remaining in the word? Or are you remaining in the world? Listen, come on, some listen, some people, they are not remaining in him. And then when the word of God works, I mean it works. They don't get anything they pray for. And that just proves yet again that the Bible's true because he said, you got to remain in me to get it. And so then they get mad at God. Then they turn on him and they blame him. But no, you've got to remain in him. Stay in the word of God. And I want to look back there at verse 6. Check this out. He says, anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. What? I mean, that sounds pretty hardcore, but what? What, what do we need extra weight on the tree for? We, he, wants to, he wants to deal with the ones that are producing fruit. And if you've got a branch that's dying off and not producing any fruit, you've got to trim it. You know, the, the house we moved into last year, I, it came with a bunch of very productive uh, uh, plants. You know, and I, I'm not naturally gifted at this, but I've got a bunch of grapevines. And lo and behold, I mean, come about July of last year, I had grapes everywhere. These wonderful uh, red grapes, they were beautiful. And then this year I noticed there's some, there's some things on the vine over here that this looks like it's just, I've been trimming stuff off. I got this lemon tree that popped out about a hundred and some lemons. And I'm like, yeah, this is great. So that came about December, all these lemons were fully. And so I, I trimmed off, I got rid of a bunch of the excess branches already this year. And I'm telling you, that's what you got to do if you want to get even more fruit. And so you need to stay in the word of God because if you don't, you're useless. Now, Jesus didn't say you're worthless, but if you don't remain in him, you are useless. And that's not mean and that's not hate speech. That's the Bible. Listen, you're useless. You can't do anything for God. He can't use you if you don't remain in him. Does that mean he doesn't love you? No. He still he loves you just as much as he loves everybody else. He loves you. You're not worthless to him, but you are useless. You cannot be used for the kingdom of God if you don't remain in him. According to his very word in John chapter 15. And so, there's a lot of Christians that do want to do things for God, but they're useless because they don't ever spend time in the word of God. That's a, that's a sad state to be in. We've got to do that, all right? And you need your weapon. The Bible's your weapon. Ephesians 6 tells us that it's the sword of the Spirit. You guys ever watch The Rifleman? I know I'm not that old, but hey, come on. That's TV right there. That's back when it was real. And so <laughs> so you got Chuck Connors there, The Rifleman. Come on. Lucas McCain. And, and I'm thinking, like, this guy takes this rifle everywhere he goes. I mean, he's in bed with it. He's always got his rifle with him. Like, man, what is this man's obsession with weapons? And, 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 but, you know, as you look at that, I'm like, 
you know, as much as Lucas McCain likes that rifle, Christians should love their Bibles that much. You should see Christians with their Bibles everywhere they go. You know what I mean? What is a Christian without his Bible? That's like the rifleman without a rifle. That's like Chuck Norris without a roundhouse kick. It just does not make any sense at all. It does. I can't even fathom what that's like. Christians are people that read their Bibles. And think about this. How many people, you know, how many, and I've asked, I asked this just a few weeks ago. How many of you guys only eat one time a week? You've got one day a week that's designated, that's your eating day, and then the rest of the rest of the week you don't ever eat. And so that would be like, you know what, um, I only eat on Sundays. You know, so the rest of the week, even if people offer it, I don't eat it. I, I designate one day a week for my eating, and it's about 30 minutes on Sunday mornings. Uh, uh, you know, the worship team's over. So at about 1030 to 11 o'clock on Sundays, that's eating time, and I don't touch it again. And for the re- No, you would be weak. You'd be powerless. You would faint. You would just, anything could knock you over. You'd have no strength. And that's what a lot of people do spiritually. They eat one time a week, if that. One time a week, and that's on Sunday morning spiritually. They come and maybe hear the sermon or whatever. They don't touch the feed again for the rest of the week. Now, I'm grateful that you come and listen to preaching on Sundays and Wednesdays, but I'd be a lot more grateful if you could also feed yourself the rest of the week in the word of God. Smith Wigglesworth said that most Christians feed themselves three hot meals a day and feed their spirits one cold snack a week. Then wonder why they're weak. You have got to eat every day. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. When I'm reading the Bible, I am spiritually eating the bread of life life the manna from heaven and he's also said hey i'm living water come on i'm living water so i am eating and i am drinking of the word of god and it's keeping me strong and so don't be an easy target you've got to stay in the word of god hebrews 4 12 hebrews 4 verse 12 check this out hebrews 4 verse 12 and so the bible is not just a book it's not just a collection of inspirational writings that give you good vibes and good feels whenever you decide to pop it open every now and then. It is not that. No, the Bible is a lot more than that. Hebrews 4 and verse 12, and it says this, For the word of God is, what is it? It's alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. That's a big statement right there. Now, there, I mean, there's 10 sermons in that one verse. That's incredible. But the word of God is alive and powerful. But that last statement, it, it, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. The word of God, it will light up things in you that you didn't even know were there. It will show you things that you didn't even know was going on on the inside of you. The word of God is the real deal. It is alive and it is powerful. You've got to make it a priority. If you don't, you're making yourself weak. You're going to fall behind the rest of the troops and you're an easy target for the enemy. So number one, stay in the word of God. Number two, stay in the house of God. Number two, stay in the house of God. Now, this one's been on my heart a lot lately. Um, you know, it's just you, you see things, and 
And so I can already see some people that got a little fear of God during the COVID pandemic. I guess, you know, it's still around a little bit. But I see a lot of people that they got scared. They got the fear of God for a few minutes. I can already see them heading back to being lukewarm. And and it just breaks my heart to see that, you know, at least some people had enough sense when things got scary to run in. But then it's like, yeah, wait, oh, wait, we're good. I'm fine. I'm still alive. I'm among, you know, the 99.9% that made it. So I don't have to, I don't have to back off. I can just go back to doing what I was doing. That's a dangerous way to live your life, man. You do not want to only come to the Father's house when you need something. And so we'll, we'll, we'll look at this just a little bit here. But we're already in Hebrews 4. Let's look at chapter t- uh, 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10. You still with me tonight? I haven't made you mad yet, have I? Good. All right, good. <laughs> I have made you mad. That's good. All right, Hebrews 10 and verse 25. And, you know, it's, an, it's important that we as Christians, we make God's word a priority, but we make his house a priority. Hebrews 10 and verse 25, it says, And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. Apparently, some people neglect their meeting together. All right, I think the Living Bible says, let us not neglect our church meetings as some people do. But look at this. But encourage one another. Why? Especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Again, who thinks the day of his return is drawing near? And so way back then, he's like, hey, don't neglect going to church. Don't neglect gathering with the other Christians. You need to warn each other. You need to encourage each other but especially as the day of his return draws more and more near. We are a lot more near to that day than they were back then. And so if there's ever been an essential time to go to church, it would be 2020, 2021, and any years that we possibly have left is a great time to not neglect meeting together with other Christians. Why? you got to be with the rest of the troops. Nothing is easier to pick off than a soldier who's standing a mile away from the rest of the troops. That guy's easy. He's just sitting duck. It's easy. You know, if you're out there duck hunting or something, it's super easy. If there's just one little guy over here by himself, boom, I'll just pick him off and have an easy dinner. It's easy to hit that guy. And that's the Christian that isolates themselves and neglects to gather together. I've got a picture I saw on uh, Facebook the other day. Can you put that picture on the screen? And so... I don't know if you can read that or not, but it says, this is if I'm a Christian, but I don't need the church was a photo. And I don't know if you can see that, but all the rest of the groups back there together, and this one guy's by himself. Who's the lion going to go after? He's going to go after that one guy. He's so low. He's got no protection. He's all by himself. And that's exactly what it's like. When we're like, yeah, I don't, I don't need that stuff. I'll just, I can do my thing out here. And that's a dangerous way to live your life spiritually. And so, you know, there, I, I see, I've seen it for years. It's not nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun, like Solomon said. But, <clears throat> but there does seem to be an attack by a lot of Christians that, that, that defend their choice not to go to church. I'm not talking about this church specific. I'm just talking about churches everywhere, okay? So I've I got a broad scope of Christianity across the United States and the world, okay? And so I say, see people say stupid things like, man, I can be just as saved as you are and never go to church. And I'm like, you're absolutely right. 
Totally. You can be just as much saved as me or anybody else and never go to church. But you cannot be as strong as me and never go to church. That's like me saying, hey, I can be, I can be just as strong as Nick back there and never go work out. I can be just as strong as him. I'm like, that's a lie. I can be just as human as him, right? Like, I'm just as much a person as you are. That's the truth. I am. But I'll just flat out say it. I'm not as strong as he is because I never work out, ever. And I don't want to. I've got other things to do, okay? I've got a couple hundred people, you know, every day that i got to, you know, pray with. It. I've got other stuff to do. But listen to me. I don't even, I don't even pretend that I'm as strong as, as somebody that goes and works out all the time because I know that it's a lie. And if I say that, everyone else can see how pathetic and stupid that is. And listen, whether a, a carnal Christian knows it or not, everyone else knows your bluff. You ever been around somebody that can talk a big game, whether it's at your job, whether it's in sports? And I found this out being involved in the world of sports for many years, especially when I was younger. I found it out that the more somebody talks up their game, usually I can tell this, I can, this guy stinks. I, I already know it. If you've got to talk it up that big, then we know that probably you've got nothing. And I know that there's a lot of Christians that, man, I don't, I don't need that. I don't need that church. I can be here. And you can still go to heaven without church. But listen, you are going to be very weak and uh, probably defeated the whole way there. You cannot be as strong as somebody that actually obeys the Bible. Because a Christian that ignores Hebrews 10.25, they're living in disobedience to the Bible. Thank you for your holy silence. I'm not, I'm not talking to you guys. You guys are at church, okay? So don't, don't, listen, this, this isn't about you're here right now, okay? But listen, listen, somebody that says something stupid like that, it's, it's already apparent that they don't obey the Bible. I like David's attitude. He said in Psalm 84, he said, better is one day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. Better is one day in your house than anywhere else in this world. And so I'd rather have one great day at church than anywhere else. Listen, I want to be in the house of God. And so the more that somebody isolates themselves from the rest of the church family or the rest of the body of Christ as a whole, they may not see it, but they're getting weaker and weaker and weaker. And I'm just telling you, I've been around this thing for a long time now, okay? And I don't say this because I'm a preacher. I'm just saying this. I'm a Christian that's been in church for 35 years. Because I've been in church since the day I was born, right? My parents took this very seriously. And I, I, if I had a nickel for every time, I've seen somebody say, I know, man, I've, I'm just, I'm, I'm too busy right now for church. But, hey, I'm staying strong. I'm just as strong as I've ever been. If I had a nickel for every time I heard that, man, I'd be a millionaire right now. I'd take us all to McDonald's after this and get you an ice cream cone. That's exactly what I'd do. Listen, listen, people say that stuff, and it's obvious to everybody else around them that they're getting weaker and it's like they can't see it but everybody else can don't fall into that category why you're an easy target for the enemy i want to show you um a quick story here in in uh, mark chapter 10 can we flip there real quick mark chapter 10 mark 10 and this is the story of blind bartimaeus who's heard of blind bartimaeus blind bart blind bart and so Here's this guy. He has been blind since birth. And he hears that Jesus is coming down the road. And he gets out there and he starts. He's like, man, here's my one chance to be able to get healed and see. And so he's shouting, 
Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And everyone's like, shut the blind guy up. My gosh, how annoying can you get? And, and what does he do? He just shouts even louder. Jesus, son of David, have mercy. And so Jesus goes over there, and he's like, hey, what, what, what's going on, man? And so he says, what do you want me to do? And he says, Rabbi, I want to see. I want to be made whole. And so Mark chapter 10 and verse 52, New King James, Mark 10, verse 52, Jesus said unto him, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight. Wow. Think about that. You have been born blind. You've never seen anything in your entire life. And one touch from Jesus, you immediately can see. And what happened next? He followed Jesus in the way. Or he, he followed Jesus down the road, down the path. He immediately followed Jesus, even after he got what he wanted. Now, here's what I'm getting at in this. I know a lot of people, a lot of people, that they needed a miracle from Jesus, and they got it. And then they didn't follow Jesus in the way. They didn't follow Jesus down the road. They were like, hey, I got what I wanted. I will see you later. See you next time. And, and, and one thing that, it, it doesn't anger me, but it makes me sad. It breaks my heart when somebody tells me, man, I promised God. I made a promise to God that he would just get me through this one tragedy, through this one thing. If he would just heal me right here, I would give him everything I've got. I would follow him 100%. And I'm telling you right now, I have heard people tell me that probably nearly a thousand times. Maybe I'm exaggerating, but I would say at least a hundred times or more, people have told me, man, I, just, I want you to know, brother, that I made a vow and a promise to God. If he would just get me this right here, if he would just heal my marriage, if he would just heal my body, if he would just get me this job, if he would just bring me through this, I would serve him with everything I've got for the rest of my life. And Jesus says, you've got it. I will do it for you. And he gives them their miracle, and it's not that long after that they are nowhere to be found. Now, I don't think it's a good idea to break a promise to anybody. I think if you make a promise, you stick with it. But I feel that it's an even worse idea to make a promise to God Almighty, and then break it. Jesus said anybody that puts their hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. And so I'm looking at this, and, and, and it breaks my heart. So many people I've even seen over the last year, like, God, you just I promise you just do this one thing for me, and I'm with you, and then they're not. That's sad. It shouldn't be that way. Think about that if somebody used you that way, you know. God doesn't just like to be used. We study scripture. We see that Jesus had emotion. Jesus wept. Jesus looked out over the city of Jerusalem and wept for the city that he loved so much. Jesus, at different times, he noticed. He, he healed these, all these, uh, these lepers, right, in Luke chapter 19. And one guy comes back, and Jesus is like, ow, only one guy even comes back to say thanks? So it shows me that Jesus does have some level of feeling to him, 
And I'll bet it really stinks to just get used by people every, there's a great percentage that love him and follow him and stick with him, but there's a whole lot of people that just use him to get what they want, and then they ditch him. How would you like it if somebody said, man, I love you, I will be with you, can I, you know, just help me out with a hundred bucks right now, and, and, and I just want you to know how much you mean to me, me and you are like this, you're like family to me, man, can you help me out, and you're like, you know what, I'll give you two hundred. Because Jesus always just goes the extra mile anyway. And then they get like, thank you so much. We'll catch up later. And you, and you don't ever see him again. But then, let's say six months later, they're in bad shape again. Hey, man, I know, hey, d- don't mind me. It's been busy. I got caught up in stuff. I know I, I meant to text and call. I need $500 this time. It's worse than ever. And, the, and this person only shows up when they're in a real bad spot. And it's like, hey, then they ditch you when they get what they wanted out of you. They use you, and they abuse that relationship. But because you're so nice and loving, you continually give of yourself, and you continually make yourself available to them. That's a sad spot to be in. And a lot of people do that to Jesus. And they're very vulnerable, and they're very easy targets, and they... They're not fit for the kingdom of God, and they don't remain in him, so we know that they're useless. He can't use them for anything. And thats I don't say that out of anger or to make somebody feel bad. I say that out of heartbreak because I see it happening right now before my very eyes in 2021, and it stinks that I see Jesus has done great miracles for people, and now they're nowhere to be found. But if you were to ask them 10 times out of 10, guarantee you, ask them, Hey man, what, what's going on? Where, where you been? What, uh, what are you good with? Are, are you still good with Jesus? Or oh man, yeah. Hey, oh yeah, I'm good. I'm the, uh, yeah. Oh yeah, we're good. I, me and Jesus, we got this thing, and and and, and you know, I, I I do this over here, and I get my vibe that way. First of all, if you use the word vibe, I know you're bigger than a three dollar bill. Come on, somebody, listen. But uh, seriously, all right, I I'll call you out right there. That is a, that's a stupid word for a Christian to use. Somebody tried to send me positive vibes. I'm like, uh, no, return to sender. Keep those vibes, man. I want prayers. I, and, I, and not from you. I want them from somebody that has faith. But anyway, so listen, if we're going to stay strong, we're going to have to stay in the word of God. We're going to have to stay in the house of God because everybody needs a pastor. I need a pastor. You need a pastor. I'm not going to make you turn there, but Jeremiah 3.15 It tells us that I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Jeremiah 3.15. God gives pastors after his heart to feed you with knowledge and understanding. And so none of us should try to be our own pastor. I don't try to be my own pastor. My dad doesn't try to be his own pastor. And you shouldn't do that either. That's not a very good thing. When God said, hey, I want you to go to church. Hey, I want to give you a pastor. It's not very good to reject a gift from Jesus, all right? And then for the sake of time, I better move on to number three. Number one, you got to stay in the word of God. Number two, you got to stay in the house of God. Number three, if you don't want to be an easy target, you got to stay in the love of God. Well, what does that mean? It means, hey, you better be treating people like Jesus wants you to treat them. And I, I've been talking about this a lot lately because it's an essential and key point to your chances of thriving, right? Somebody that doesn't treat other people right is not going to get very far with God. And so for the sake of time again, Galatians 5 and verse 6 in the King James, Galatians 5, 6, 
King James, it says, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision, but what? But faith which worketh by love. But faith which worketh by love. Well, how does your faith work? Does it work by praying a whole bunch? No. It works by love. And if you don't treat other people right, it, it, and I'm not, I'm saying this to help you out. I mean, if you got something that you need, if you need an answer to prayer right now, if, if you're facing something, you need to hear this. Your faith works by love. You better be treating other people right, and you better be treating God right. Some people aren't treating God very lovely. That's, you know, hey, just take that and do with it what you wish to do with it. But sometimes we get all of our focus on, Hey, I, I, all right, I'm trying to not be mean to people. I'm trying to finally be nice and not, you know, act mean. But how are you treating God himself? Because we've got two New Testament commandments. Love God and love people. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, might, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Those are your two New Testament commands. And faith works by love. Are you treating people right? And are you treating God right? And only using them as your sugar daddy when you need a little favor is not loving God too much. That's not being nice to God, and I think we should be nice to God. Who thinks we should be nice to God? Who thinks that we should love God and, and not just use him and abuse him and, and, and run that relationship into the ground? Right. We need to love God and treat him right. That's part of the love walk. One last verse tonight, James 3.16. James 3.16. James 3.16. And, uh, and my dad, man, my dad, oh, he loved this verse when I was a kid because every time that we'd get into it as brothers and sisters, my dad would go to this verse. In fact, it was a little period of time where, you know, you know kids, right? You, they kind of go at each other. You ever notice that with your kids? Sometimes they fight each other, right? And so if we, if, if we were, if we had been getting into it, there was a time period when we were, it embarrassed me so bad. My dad printed out this great big sign and on one side of it, it said James 3.16. And it looked, what it looked like was a no smoking sign. It was this big circular sign. And on one side it just said James 3.16. And on the other side it said strife. And there was a big, you know, X down the middle like this. No strife. And so we had this van that, you know, our, our family van. Driving down the road, you could see just this great big old circle hanging from my dad's rear view mirror. James 3.16. No strife. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I remember pulling to Little League practice. What's that say on your dad's van over there? I don't know, man. It's just forget about it. I don't know what it's on. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Sometimes your parents embarrass you. But now I'm in that lovely spot where I can embarrass my own children. And I'm enjoying it better than I thought I would, to be honest. It's, it's really cool. I volunteered at their school a couple of weeks ago, and it was a delight embarrassing my sons. I loved every second of it. All right. James 3.16. For we're envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Have you ever been in an atmosphere of strife? There's just been fighting and bickering and, and arguing and strife. And you're like, after a while, it's like, oh, my gosh, my, I can't even think straight right now. I just like, I don't, I don't even know what, what were we even doing before this. What were we even talking about? There's confusion. And every evil work. Does that sound like a great atmosphere for you to just be spiritually strong and, and ready to take on the devil? No. It sounds like that makes you a very vulnerable and easy target. 
we as Christians, we got to stay in the word of God, the house of God, and in the love of God. We've got to love God and treat him right for sure. And we've got to treat his creation, the people right. And where there's envying and strife, there's confusion, there's every evil work. And so what am I doing tonight? I am encouraging us, especially as we get into the summer months, because, hey, summer's coming. And I know that that's the time of year when we're, all of us or some of us are going on vacations. I hope you take a good family vacation. I want that for you. Take vacations, going in and out of town. But it is not a good time to take a vacation from God. Because I found out one time that even though I was on vacation, the devil doesn't go on vacation. He doesn't take the week off. And so you're like, you know what, we're out of town this week. I'm good. I'm, uh, you know, I'm just, I'll, I'll take my Bible. If I get to it, I'll, I'll get to it. Um, you know, and, and nowadays you've got church, on, we got church on the Internet. You can watch on there. And, and you, if you're out of town, you should. Anytime I'm out of town, I watch our services online. And you should do that. There's really not that good of an excuse to ever really have to miss church anymore. But listen, I'm just challenging and encouraging us that as we take our vacations and fun times this summer, the devil is not taking any time off. He will still be doing what he's always sought to do. And it's imperative that we stick close to Jesus and don't make ourselves an easy target. Don't make his job any easier. Make it harder. Stick in the word of God, the house of God, and in the love of God. And we're going to make it through because it is the end times. And it may seem like, well, things are kind of calmed down now. I mean, it's like this isn't happening. Give it time. Give it time. I guarantee you right now, mark it down. By the end of this year, more major things will happen to shake the world up. Guarantee it. And then people will come running back. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and what's great is if you were already just sticking close to Jesus anyway. You were already under the shadow of the Almighty. Then you don't have to come running back to try to find it. You're already there, and you're way ahead of the game and not spazzing out whenever things fall apart. Amen? And so don't make yourself an easy target. Stick in the word of God, the house of God, and in the love of God. Amen? All right, we're out of time. We better close it down tonight. Very good. Why don't we stand up together? Let's stand up. Praise God. Amen. Who's going to stay strong this summer? Who wants to get even stronger than they've ever been this summer? Getting stronger. All right. Rocky Four, Rocky Four, look it up, somebody. Rocky Four, best one. Don't, yeah, don't, yeah, we'll talk about that later. Anyway, so, well, let's pray over you tonight. We're going to dismiss you. Um, I remind you again, parents, we got to get those kids registered for Kids Club Camp. If you haven't done that yet, please try to do that by the end of the night so we can make sure that your kid gets the T-shirt and everything else that goes along with it. And youth group camp is coming up mid-July, and so we'll be getting you more details on that very, very soon, all right? Let's raise our hand tonight and pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, so much for what we've seen in the word of God tonight. And God, we know that you're real, and we recognize and acknowledge that the enemy is real also. But God, we're not afraid because we've got you. 
We've got your word, Lord. We've got the name of Jesus to use. And God, I pray that every person here, every person watching online, that we are taking this word to heart in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, we're going to stay strong. We're not taking any spiritual vacations this year, Lord. We're going to dig in deeper than we've ever dug in before, God. We're going to be stronger than we've ever been before. And we thank you, Jesus, that we're making it through anything and everything that comes, Father, with the blessing of God, the peace of God, and the joy of the Lord. Use us this week to spread the love of Jesus throughout Barstow and Port Irwin and Victorville and the Marine Base and everywhere else that we go, Father, the railroad, in Jesus' name, to spread the love of Jesus. Thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Somebody said, amen. All right, let's speak some words of faith over Barstow, and you can be dismissed. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you Sunday.